Talk with Ben Tompkins. All right, what's going on, baby? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days. One day that's going to change, and I can't wait until I can present to you the presenting sponsor of the show. But until then, we grind. We grind, baby. And I'm with that. All right? So, brand new listeners to the show, welcome in, my friends. If you're joining us for the second time and you were here for Uber Stories Nashville Part 1, and now you're coming back, I'm so glad to have you back. That's awesome. So, thank you. Thank you so much. Brand new listeners, welcome in. This is a really good time to be getting in where you are. This show is growing every single month. I'm going to a new city. I have done, obviously, this is Nashville part two. Part one was last week in April. I did Atlanta. That was a banger. You should definitely go back and listen to that episode. Got to meet 40. Noah Shabib. That was awesome. Magic City on a Monday. You never know who you're going to run into, but bam, that happened. And it was like, hey, Benny T, you were on the right path, my friend. Just keep on grinding away until you get to where you're trying to be. Next month, I'm very excited to announce this one, but I'm turning 29 next month. That's uh, kind of an insignificant birthday in the grand scheme of things, 29 years old, Adrian Peterson year, I guess. But um, I am excited about my birthday, and the next week, Father's Day weekend, I'm going to hit the road and be up in Chicago, the Windy City, and I'm going to be presenting Uber Stories Chicago, and that'll be the next month that we do. So I'm really excited about that one. I am also, um, I don't know what's going to be directly after Chicago in July, but I do know that for the September episode, I'll be in Columbus. There is a music festival, like a two-day music festival called Breakaway. Um, That's going to be going on at the end of August, like first weekend of September. So I'm going to head up to Columbus, probably drive like like uh, maybe go up on Sunday, drive till about Thursday or Friday, and then Friday and Saturday is this two-day event. And I'm at the point now where anytime I see Kygo on a lineup and it's feasible, I'm going to be there. Columbus is not that far away. It's an approved city that I can drive in. So not only was I planning on going to Columbus at some point this summer, now, you're telling me that Kygo's going to be there and Elenium and some of these other people that I really, really am hyped to see? Oh, yeah. I'm in that bitch. Let's go. So, I got the VIP tickets and it's going to be the first festival that I've been to since COVID. I mean, it's been a while. I think the last festival that I went to was Hangout in 2019 and then obviously everything got canceled I, uh, Galantis was the last show that I saw that was like January or February 2020 and then boom like COVID hey what is this thing oh the thing that's shutting down the whole world that uh, Trump had been like ignoring the whole time oh yeah this thing this thing okay yeah now that's gonna wreck everybody's plans um, had planned on going to some really cool festivals but I'm vaccinated I'm fully vaccinated and I'm ready to get back out on the scene man and um being in Nashville just reminded me of like, hey, oh yeah, <laughs> life is about to start moving fast again. Like we're about to start having things that we can do uh, like festivals and like sporting events and like concerts. And I'm just, I'm just really, really in a good place with that. I think it's time, guys. I think it's time. We've paid our dues. Those of us that have gotten vaccinated, we've done our part. I've worn my mask up until now. And um I know on June 11th, I don't know where it, you know, I don't know how it is for you and your state, but in Kentucky, where I live, the 502, on June 11th, 
our mask mandate is going to be lifted. And I, I'm ready, man. I'm ready for, you know, the better part of an entire year. I wore my mask every single day in the gym and for however many hours of the day that I spent driving with riders, I wore that thing like a good little boy. I, I never pushed back against it. I did it, okay? And now that I'm fully vaxxed and things are opening back up, I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to hear about this anymore. I did my part. I got vaccinated. I did my part there. And now, hop off and shut the fuck up because you can't tell me nothing, all right? So, really, really excited about that. And I'll, I'll continue to update you guys on the uh, the different cities that we're going to be going to. Uh, obviously Columbus, but Cleveland. I'll probably do another Cincinnati episode. I'll probably do an Indianapolis episode. And we're just going to keep playing with it and uh, continuing to grow. So if you're getting in at this time, it's really good. It's it's. I think there's going to be, throughout the long term, a good return on your investment. You know, you get in now, and then one day you're going to be looking at the TV or... Uh, you know, some billboard ad, and you're going to be like, holy shit, I've been listening to that guy when he was nothing. He couldn't even tie the shoelaces. I'm going to be like, hey, Bitty T don't shine shoes no more, Tommy. You'll be like, oh my gosh. That's a Goodfellas reference for those of you out there that uh, know your shit. All right, so yeah, uh, last week, part one, it went really well, and then today is part two. Before I jump in, I'll give you a quick recap of uh, last week. Um, stories on today's episode include a crossroads moment, and I love when I get these, but when people are at crossroads in their life, that's that's really an interesting time to meet somebody because it's like, hey, how's this thing going to go? Please let me know. Follow up with me. I want to know what happened, right? But uh, I met a guy who is about to turn 30 years old and was at a crossroads in his life and in his career, so we got to talk about that and workshop him a little bit, and so that is one of the main stories on today. Also, of movement was born, all right? I ride with Benny T. For for a while now, I've been trying to figure out how can I use TikTok in order to continue to uh, build this platform, right? How can I incorporate this really valuable social media tool into what I'm doing? And I finally figured out a way to do that. And so that story, along with a few other TikToks, along with the boys, the fucking boys, baby. I cannot wait to get to this story. I've been sitting on it. I hated that I had to split things up into two parts because I wanted to tell this story so badly, <laughs> but I will uh, finally get the chance to do that. And so we've got some good TikTok writer audio. Um, I have my review of Big Shakes, Hot Chicken and Fish. They showed us so much love. They gave us a platter fit for a king, man. This was so good. And if you go down to Big Shakes and you tell them, hey, Benny T sent me, I ride with Benny T. Nashville people, people traveling down to Nashville, go see Big Shakes, Hot Chicken and Fish. They're going to get you hooked up with 15% off if you mention my name. Say, I ride with Benny T. They're going to get you taken care of. So I got Saturday and I got Sunday, and then we will end the trip talking about big picture takeaways and some reflections from the trip. All right, so we'll wrap a nice ribbon around this thing. Before we do jump in, please take two seconds and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. For my Apple Podcast people who are listening, please go to the show page, Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, and subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. 
Even if you don't subscribe to the podcast, okay, fine, but just leave me a rating and a review, and I would really, really appreciate that. Now, you're going to want to be subscribed to see where the rest of this ride goes and follow along with the rest of this journey, and I hope that you'll continue to ride with me from, from now until whatever heights we reach, but I really, I would really appreciate it, and that's, you know, people ask me all the time, hey, how can I help? You know, I'm with this. I fuck with you. Like, how can I help you grow this show? Honestly, listening to it, sharing it with somebody that you think would benefit from hearing uh, the message in any one of these stories, and and maybe not just on the stories today, but during my week-to-week stories, I usually am talking to people about all kinds of different things, from career advice to life advice to relationship advice to loss to addiction to pain, like there's a million mental health. I mean, there, there's there's so many different areas that I touch on on this show that there there's usually something for everybody. There's usually a little bit something for everybody. And I'm I'm telling you, I talk and I connect with people from all walks of life. That's the really unique and special thing about this show is that I, I don't really I don't have one type of listener, you know, other than somebody that loves dope-ass content. I mean, that's probably you, right? So pat yourself on the back. You're doing great. You're doing great. Okay, but uh, in terms of like what my writers look like or what my listeners look like, it is so diverse. I mean, I talk to people who are far-right Trumpers to left-leaning, you know, black transgender people and, and like everybody in between. So old, young, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, like you know, Republican, Democrat, you you name it, you name it, and I've probably had them in the car and had a good conversation with them, or at least a conversation with them, and that's what I'm here to do. So, please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Follow along on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at BennyTomp18, and you can also like the show page on Facebook. So for my people that aren't on Apple Podcasts, hey, how can we help, right? Well, subscribe on Spotify or Google Podcasts or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. This one is there, so you can find it. But besides sharing one of these episodes with somebody or on social media, then uh, you can also leave a review on the Facebook page for the show at Real Talk W Benny T. So that is the Facebook page. I also have an Instagram page that is the same handle, and that's where I'm doing a little bit more of like my writer quotes. I'm very very proud of myself. I spent many many hours, more than I'd like to admit, creating a graphic on uh, Adobe. Um, Photoshop, and I had never really messed around with Photoshop outside of like fulfilling some very basic requirements when I was a journalism student at the University of Kentucky, and I had to go back in and play with stuff and watch many YouTube videos, and I finally figured it out, and I created these templates for myself to drop little quotes in, and so I'm creating this checkerboard on Instagram. I'm really, really excited about that. I'm proud of myself for that. Like, that's like, you know, the thing about this is I I, I do everything on my own, you know? I tape it. I edit it. I am my own social media manager. I am my own graphics department. I am my own sales team. I am my own guest booker, and oh yeah, on top of everything else, I do the driving, so I'm literally doing it all, right? And I, I'm very 
very, very proud of all these different hats that I wear. I think that's why I, I'm, I'm so interested in this week in and week out. It's been able to keep me engaged and interested in this. But um, yeah, I'm really, really proud of the work that I did as a graphic designer a few weeks ago because that's not really my lane, and yet it had to be done. So I did it. I learned it. And I took it upon myself to do that. So very excited. Very excited for where this show is headed. Um, I want to pick back up and just quickly recap part one. And uh, that's a great episode. You should definitely go back and check it out. But if you have not heard it yet, just to bring you up to speed, part one was through Wednesday night. I got into Nashville and then it chronicled the stories and the partnerships that I did, the collabs, right, as a very esteemed influencer and TikToker now. I'm sure you guys are aware, right? At BennyTomp18. Plug! Okay, so uh, that took us through Thursday and Friday and up until Friday night. So when I was down there those days, I got to work out and partner with a couple of gyms in town, Pro Vita and Fit Factory. If you're in Nashville and you're looking for a new place to work out, I would highly recommend going to either of those spots. And the stories from those two days included things like, I met a woman who told me what she discovered about herself when she decided to drop everything and move to Idaho to live on a ranch. I was like, that's something that you really don't, that's not the norm, right? So like, what prompted you to do that? And what did you learn about yourself throughout that journey? So, and also, did you find what you were hoping to find? Really good answers to all of those questions. That was on part one. I also met a man who single-handedly shut down a quarter of the Amarillo power grid with his body, sending 72,000 volts of electricity through his body, and he lived in my backseat to tell that tale. I also met Lindsay Lohan's mom and sister. That was an interesting story. I got a high school football state championship story, and for the first time ever, I used some of the audio from last week um, to enhance the storytelling. So audio from one of the rudest writers that I've ever dealt with before, plus a really funny exchange between myself and a writer and me lightheartedly teasing him, which then led to a story about a dispute between him and his neighbors that resulted in him being arrested and charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, which is like unbelievable that the cops would be dumb enough to believe the story that the neighbors fed them after having spent just 15 minutes with that guy, but I digress. Uh, by the way, if you hear a, <laughs> if you hear some like licking or some scratching in the background, it's not me. It is uh, my little brother McGregor. He is over at the condo today. He is hanging out with me, and um, he's kind of going in and out. So if you just hear any dog noises in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. My little brother Greggy, he's here, and I, I love when I get to hang out in the studio with him. So, um, that's what we that's what we covered last week, okay? And then I let you guys know, I already w- kind of went over what today's episode is going to be. We'll have stories from Saturday, we'll have my Big Shakes review from Sunday, and then some big picture takeaways and reflections from this trip. But, where we left off in last week's Uber Stories Nashville Part 1 episode was me ending with this. What transpired for the next several hours after the guy that I was staying with and his roommate insisted that we play Monopoly was a display of what can only be described as the pettiest, most pathetic show of gamesmanship out of both players that I have ever been a part of, and it brought the vibe to a screeching halt. And even though Monopoly is just a stupid game, let's just say that things were said 
and it brought some issues and themes to the surface. And I was confronted with this line in the sand moment for me as being the moment that I knew that things were never going to be the same in terms of my relationship with this friend and <laughs> this other guy is just like a, a, you know, as fringe as fringe gets. And so could care less about that. But but at least in terms of my relationship with the person that I was staying with, somebody that I've been friends with for very long time, seventh grade, going way back here, uh, I knew that things were different. I, and and I, I it had kind of been something that I had been sensing the last few times that we had hung out. And I, I just, you know, this pretty much sealed that. And so that's where I left off last week's episode, kind of on a cliffhanger. And so that is where we will begin today. Uber Stories, Nashville, part two. So this is Friday night, okay? And like I just said, these guys insisted that we play Monopoly. Now, little did they know, little did they know that I am a master at Monopoly. I am a student of the game, okay? And if I'm going to do something, I really want to know how to do it well. I don't want to just half-ass something. I want to know, how can I win this? How can I get good at this? How can I be better than other people at this? And maybe that's just me. Maybe people enjoy playing the game just for fun, but I play the game for keeps. I play the game for wins. And that's the energy that I'm bringing every time I play a game, no matter if it's a flag football game or a board game or something as inconsequential as as anything in between. But like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm competitive, man. I, I play to win the game, okay? Just like, who is that coach that's, that's always uh, on ESPN? They roll that clip. He's like, you play to win the game. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, yeah? I mean, that's, the, that's, that's literally the whole point, man. That is the whole point. Life, winners and losers, okay? And this is going to be a, uh, a fucking case study in that exactly and how Monopoly and the thinking that goes into playing the game is really a microcosm of the way in which we live our lives, okay? And so we start playing this game and they insisted that we play. And we, you know, I had brought two games with me that one is called Buzzed, one is called Phase 10. With three people, Phase 10 would take maybe an hour and a half, okay? But it's fun. And most of the time, people stay in it until the, the end, unless you really get screwed. Um, and then Buzzed is a game that is uh, made by the people that run the Fuck Jerry account. And basically, it's just a, a stack of cards, and you draw the card, and whoever it applies to has to drink. It's a really fun game, and it's just like light, doesn't take a whole lot of effort, it's funny, it leads to some good storytelling. These are the types of games that if I'm going to be drinking and hanging out with somebody, I would much rather play, rather than like poker, where people might get mad and there's money involved, or... I don't know, something like Monopoly, where, where it like obviously creates winners and losers and haves and have-nots. So when they say, hey, do you want to play Monopoly? I'm like, yeah, I'd be down to play some games. Thinking in the back of my mind, I've been waiting on this. This is why I brought these games down, so we could like have some fun and just kind of hang out and drink and whatever. Well, the roommate says, I like how you didn't say Monopoly. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, right, you got me, all right, you call me out a little bit there, but I'm like, all right, look, I'll play Monopoly if you guys want to play Monopoly, I mean, that's fine, and they like, they insisted, they're like, yeah, let's play Monopoly, so I'm like, all right, cool, 
So uh, early on, um, it, it's it's Monopoly is a game of strategy. Monopoly is a game of seeing what you're going to try and go all in on and building a long-term strategic game plan, right? For what you own, what you choose to pass on, and and what you build on. And like, there is strategy that goes into it. It's not all luck, which these two contended. Nope, it's all luck. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, let's put it out to a bid. And by the way, 100% of people that I polled on Instagram and on Twitter said that Monopoly is strategy. So, the people have spoken, okay? But also, let's continue with this. So, <laughs> had these guys believed in the strategy part of this and, and not been like, nope, it's just all luck, dumb luck. Everybody has the same shot and everybody plays blindly and it's just like, you just get lucky. Well, had these guys known the probabilities of the board or had a fucking clue, they might have stood a chance. But of course, I understood the game. I played smart and disciplined and I won. And I bankrupted both of them and they went to bed salty as fuck. And it really, really put a damper on the weekend and, and on the general vibe and it, it like it it shifted at some point during this game it shifted so my strategy going into it obviously if you are just starting out people will tell you buy everything right buy anything you can if you land on it buy it now more strategic players will tell you that there are certain things that you shouldn't buy no matter if it is the only thing that you'll possibly own the first one or two times around the board if you get all the way to boardwalk don't buy it it's an overpriced property if you land on the utilities don't buy them they're really like you know they're they're pretty useless like they're not going to give you a large return on what you spend on them and there's only you can't upgrade them there's only two of them and even if you have two and you multiply by 10 which is like the most that you can multiply the number of the uh like the dice it's like okay so if i roll a two and multiply that by 10 i gotta pay you 20 bucks here you know like that's an easy thing like there are obviously properties that are more valuable based on the probability that you're going to land on those properties and those are the ones that you want to um hone in on right if you can well pretty early on i got an orange and then i got a second orange when it came around and i also were i was landing on railroads so i bought up three railroads and those are valuable. Those are really valuable. And they hold a really important place on the board because if you if you look at all the probabilities that you could possibly um, roll with two dice, then stuff that's like five, six, and seven um, combinations that, that add up to those, those are your best chances. And the railroads are, are placed like right in the middle of each little side of the board. So the probability that somebody lands on a railroad is pretty good. And if you own three of them or four of them, and that happens a lot, then you're making 100 or $200 every time that happens. That's a good strategy, okay? And going all in on the oranges and buying other properties, but but going in on, okay, I'm going to try to complete a color set with the oranges, and I'm going to try to own all the railroads. That's a strategy. That's a strategy, okay? And little did these guys know as we as we began playing that I, I had spent so much time during the quarantine learning this game, playing this game, 
and 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 being competitive enough to say, all right, I'm going to download this Hasbro app and I'm going to research and literally read about how to win Monopoly and how to play this game from an educated standpoint, okay? Now, this sounds so stupid and pretentious, being like, I know more about Monopoly than you. I'm smarter at Monopoly than you. I'm an educated Monopoly player. In the grand scheme of things, nobody fucking cares, okay? <laughs> but the fact that this created so much friction and was such a sticking point for these guys, I'm like, you know what? No, let me go ahead and just set the record straight here. Monopoly is strategy, not luck. By and large, sure, you might get lucky every once in a while, but Monopoly is strategy. So, they didn't understand the ownership part of it or the real estate part of it. Like, properties in certain areas being more valuable than than other ones, right? And they didn't understand what you should take ownership in and and I you know it was funny it was so funny well like that's that's a that's a big picture takeaway that I'll save but like what's funny to me is that in the beginning when everybody is kind of at the same place you know I would land on something that they owned and I would pay my rent and I always was just like hey nice doing business with you ah here you go you know, and I would just pay up and just keep it light and keep it fun and like, yeah, I, I, because that's just like the way that I would want to have that transaction happen if I were on the other end of it, right? So when I pay up, it's all smiles. It's hey, here you go, buy yourself something nice. You know, just kind of like keeping it joking and keeping it moving. And then, what was funny was at some point when the tables started to turn and my strategy started to pay off and I was winning the game and bankrupting these bums. Then anytime they would land on something that I owned, it was, oh my God, you know, bitching and moaning. You're so lucky. Uh, That's bullshit. You know, just like throwing money at me. I'm like, oh, what happened when it was like the reverse of this? And, and, And why can't you treat me with the same amount of respect and just like, oh, it's a game type attitude that I showed to you? You know, why? why is it when I get paid it's fuck this guy and 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 it's just like you know that's just petty that's just petty shit you know they would call me names and talk shit and it's just like all right well you guys are fucking losers man so you know i i kept it nice in the beginning and in the beginning there were a few times where i had to mortgage some things i wasn't necessarily the one that had the most money or most properties but i was playing smart and i was playing disciplined and I knew that utilities were worthless so I didn't try and go in on those and also the like like I said the the blues park place and boardwalk like yeah go ahead buy that one you know like you can have it man um I I also you know at one point there was a yellow that came up that I ended up putting out to auction because I I knew that I could get one of these guys to overpay for it you know, ego takes over, you want to be the big dick swinging, and so I knew that I could bait one of these guys into overpaying for this property. So I bid it up until it was above face value, and then once they continued to say, like, you know, bite on it and take the bait and be like, raise me, you know, I let them have it. And I was like, congratulations, you know, like, there you go. You got it now, right? And and of course, they overpaid for it, and it put a strain on them financially. And then there's also, like, little nuances of the game where later on, if you go to jail at some point during the game, and let's say you don't have a ton of money, staying in jail and not buying your way out, that's what, that's a strategy. That's like a strategic move. 
Because if you get out and there's a lot of things that you might land on that would make you pay, especially if people have houses and stuff built on these properties, then you're better off staying in jail and letting somebody else roll and go land on that but and and like watching your competitors hopefully maybe run out of some money or or run into some financial strain and so paying the $50 or whatever it is to get out of jail sometimes it's best just to stay in jail and try to roll and if you get to your third roll and you don't hit doubles then pay 50 bucks and get out fine but like that's a strategic move okay and also <laughs> Now, this is what was funny is that like later on in the game, I executed a trade with this guy. I didn't even propose it, okay? I had um, I had one green property that this guy needed to complete a color set, the roommate, and he had the other orange that I needed to complete my color set. And at some point, the roommate said, hey, I need to complete my color set. Why don't I trade you this orange and the fourth railroad? And I was like, yeah, absolutely I'll do that deal. So he was the one that gave me what I needed. Now, in turn, he was also getting what he needed to complete his green color set. But the color set is beyond jail. Like the probability of landing on any of those spaces and getting that far to the board when there are many different ways in which that you can land either on go, like, you know, go advance directly to go or to boardwalk or you land in jail like so getting to the greens is far less likely than landing on the oranges so not only do I complete a color set now I can start building houses upon these properties but also I just got the fourth railroad and so now my strategy on going in on the railroads is is, is about to pay off in a major way because every time somebody lands on that that's 200 bucks so I'm like awesome okay and Surprise, surprise, as the game continues and things start to shift from me being the one that was paying them a lot early on versus now they're landing on the railroads. I mean, there was a point in which the railroads, one of the railroads were landed on, like, I I kid you not, six times in a row by one of these guys. Like, every time it wouldn't be my turn and we would go around the board one of these guys would land on the railroads and have to pay me $200. And every time, dude, they would be like, oh, that's so fucking lucky. Oh, it's st- oh, you're just, you're just lucky. I'm like trying to explain to these guys like without, you know, trying to sound like such an arrogant douchebag about like how to play the game and give away like valuable information. I'm like, guys, listen, <laughs> one time is luck, okay? Owning all four railroads is strategy, that's that's like the strategy that I went in with this game like in mind when I got the first one and then I got the second one I I was determined to pay whatever or trade whatever in order to go and get those now I ended up landing on a third and then the fourth one got traded to me so it was like okay one time landing on it that's luck okay fine whatever owning all four of them is strategy dude so like you either understand that or you don't you know and as the game went on, they continued to have to pay me more and more. And eventually, I bankrupted the first guy. I got his brown cards. So he had the first two little properties, Mediterranean and is it Atlantic? I can't remember what's right there after, uh, after Go. But they're the cheapest properties on the board. Okay. And here's another little insider tip for anybody listening. 
if you can create a housing shortage in the game, do it. And what I mean by that is there is sometimes more value if it means that nobody else can buy a house. There's more value in having four houses on each property rather than buying a hotel. Even though a hotel might bring you more money, the houses are more valuable. So having 12 houses on my oranges at, at, at some point later in the game and people not being able to buy more was strategy. And when I get this guy's brown cards, even though they're the cheapest piece of shit properties on the board, having four houses on those two properties is still a good chunk of money, especially when you're looking at the board thinking, if I land here, it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, now... If, if I have all those houses on it, it's like 250 bucks, right? So I then, again, strategy, trade in, buy a hotel, put those, and I buy enough hotels to where I free up enough houses to where now I can put four houses on these brown properties and, again, create that housing shortage so that the last guy who's in can no longer buy any more houses for his properties, right? Again, man, strategy. And throughout the game, it, it was just like, I, I continue to hear words and things that I don't use anymore. Like, I, I don't. And I don't want to be around somebody that continues to just use them without really even thinking about it. So, you know, one of these guys, the roommate, he would land on a property and have to pay up and he'd be like, oh, that's so gay. Or... He would talk about things in terms of like, um, oh, you know, that's that that's like a Jew move or something like that. You know, when it when it came down to like talking about money, um, he he said that something was retarded, right? And then he used the N word, and at that point, I've been listening to this for a, a few hours. I mean, this this game took you know three four hours, and at some point after after the beginning of the game and as things really started to heat up and as the tables turned and then it was no longer all smiles and laughs and Mr. Nice Guy, then it was me, you know, making these guys pay, mortgage their properties, sell shit off. Um, then it was like, oh, we don't fucking like this prick anymore. And then that's when these slurs started coming out of the roommate. And, you know, look, not to say that any of those words are any more or less hateful, hurtful, or, or, or worse than, than any of the other ones, right? They're all, it's all hate speech. It's all just inappropriate words that um, we just don't use anymore in society. At one point, yeah, they, they were used in, in movies like Wedding Crashers. I mean, go back and look at Wedding Crashers, and there's a lot of stuff in there that wouldn't fly today or that people would be outraged about, right? There are certain words that we just don't really use anymore, certain phrases. And like, cool, whatever, change with the times or get lost, man. And so when the roommate finally says the N-word, that, that was like my last straw. I was like, dude, don't say that, man. I don't want to hear it. As soon as I said that, mind you, both these guys are losing. As soon as I say that, both of the guys go, oh, oh, oh. And my buddy says, Ben, you can't even act like you didn't used to say that word. And you know what? At the risk of having myself canceled for being open and honest about this, 
I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I did. You know, there was a time where it, it maybe was never okay, but at least in terms of is this an acceptable thing or or is this something that like younger kids say? And um, is it something that like used to be part of the dialogue that that we used to use? Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I did. You know what? And I was I was wrong for it then, and he's wrong for it now. But that was then. I'm saying to you guys right now in this moment, I don't want to hear that word. I don't want to be around that. So just like don't do it because it's like I'm telling you, man, if I could give you a piece of advice, the person that said it, I'm like, dude, just eliminate that from your vocabulary because it's it's not worth getting canceled over or it's not worth pissing somebody off enough where, you know, that they, they could hurt you. Um, and, and it's just a hurtful, hateful word. So just like don't do it, you know. And <laughs> my buddy was like, fine then you can't say, I don't want to hear you say Jesus or goddamn. And I was like, okay, so what, we're trading now? This is a bartering system now? And, uh, you know, I was just like, you know what, fine, you know, fine. I, 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 I've I barely spent any time around you this weekend. I know that I haven't said that while I've been here, but um, fine, it, you know, that's fine. I, I, I won't do that around you. And you know what, it, it's, it's so laughable, it's so... It's so childish and just ignorant, just fucking ignorant that somebody would try to say that those two things are the same because one of them has a history of, you know, everything that's happened to black people in this country and there's a real meaning behind the N-word and, 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 and like using it is so different than taking the Lord's name in vain, saying Jesus Christ or saying God damn it. You know, which I do all the time, which I will not stop saying because one of them is a very real thing and the other one is a subjective set of beliefs that this person has that I might not share. You know, like, it, it, it's like, this isn't, this is apples and oranges and, and maybe it's, it's like fruit to sports, man. Like, this, these are, we're talking about way two different things. You believe in this thing and that's great for you, but like, I don't, right? And so those words don't mean the same thing. Those words don't mean the same to a Jewish person or a Muslim person or an atheist. Like, it, those words have no meaning. But you know what does no matter who you are? The N-word. So, like, the fact that you would even try and be like, dude, well, fine. If, if, if he can't say the N-word, if I can't say the N-word, then you can't say God damn it. I'm like... <laughs> Gosh, God damn it. That's what I literally was like, God damn, man. You guys are some dumbass motherfuckers, man. So at that point, like, that really soured the rest of the night. And as we continued to play, uh, it, it just it, it just wasn't enjoyable at all. And I was just like, this sucks, man. Like, you guys are fucking losers. And after that, it, it, it was just like tense. The vibe sucked. And it wouldn't be long before I knew that I probably wasn't going to stay there the next night. So that's how Friday night ended, was uh, was some of that stuff. And like, hey, look, I know, kind of circling back to, to what was said, it was like, hey, you know what? You're right. Like, I did, you know, I've, I've always been a rap fan. I, I played sports growing up. As ridiculous as this sounds, 
there used to be a form of acceptance that at least me growing up, maybe it's different from from you and your experiences and where you grew up, but at least when I was growing up in middle school and in high school, (laughs) this is so stupid, please don't cancel me, I'm just keeping it real here, there used to be something called the in-card. And if you were cool enough, you had to obviously earn the in-card from a black person, but they would say, all right, man, you're cool, you can say it, you can say it around me. And that was like a big deal, right? Now, is that ridiculous? Yes. Does that mean that you could just like say it in front of anybody and be like, no, 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 it's cool, I have my in-card. They'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, they'd be like, boy, like, uh, but you know, like that that used to be a form of acceptance. Like it used to be a thing, okay? If if people were cool with you, then, then you kind of got a pass there. And it just... <laughs> That used to be a part of uh, the 2000s, man. Like, it just it just was. It just was, okay? At least where I grew up. But around a certain point, I think probably living out in the Bay Area and just, like, meeting people that I didn't grow up with and hearing stories about people that used the word and then got their ass beat, I was just like, you know, that's just not something that I want to do. And watching the way that the culture shifted in terms of what we now deem as acceptable and, and, and PC and cancel culture, it was like, wow, there's a lot of people that are getting canceled for using this word no matter what context they use it in, whether it's in a hateful way or whether it's in a slang term of endearment for one of your friends. It, it, it does not matter, right? It gets back to that like hard ER versus A debate, right? So it's like, dude, you know what? It's just not even like why. Like if it's if it you know, if it could possibly hurt somebody's feelings or piss somebody off, then like why do it? You know, and I don't think I I I don't think it really really made sense to me until I had a guy that I look at as my father figure, Will Leach Senior, and his son Will Leach Junior come over, and this was like 2018, and we dropped this episode about don't talk about it, be about it. That was the name of the episode. And, and we talked about that. And I talked openly and honestly about it and brought everything that I just said to both of these guys and was like, here's here's kind of where I'm struggling with it. Like, are people still going to accept me, you know, if I'm like rapping a song or like, you know, am I, I guess that, and that's what I struggle with is like, am I losing the sense of identity and acceptance with, within this community? And they were like, no, man, honestly, you not using it and you choosing not to use it and being educated and even just sitting down and having this conversation with us shows that you are a friend and an ally and you do get it. And I promise you that means more to us. You educating yourself about it means more to us and will lead to more acceptance rather than you know somebody that says, oh, it's cool if you do it around me. Like by and large. So take that to heart, okay? And I did. And it's just, that's not a word that I use anymore. And, you know, for somebody to sit there and say, well, you can't even act like, I'm like, yeah, what, five years ago, 10 years ago? Like, yeah, you know, go down the line. There's probably a lot of words that we used to use growing up that are no longer accepted, okay, and phrases. But is that who I am today? Is that who I want to be? No. And am I going to 
listen to anybody that tries to hold me accountable for the person that I was years and years and years ago? No, absolutely not, because I've changed, I've evolved, I've grown as a fucking human being. So if you want to sit here and play history books, that's fine, okay? But I'm saying right now in this moment, that's not who I am. That's not who I've been in a long time. So I don't appreciate that. I reject those sentiments. And fellas, I I, I just don't want to hear that. Please don't use that word around me. And so we agreed that I wouldn't say Jesus or goddamn. And that's how the night ended. And I bankrupted both of these fucking guys. I sent them to bed. They all huffed and puffed their way to their bedrooms. And I, now this is, now this is mean. This is, this is like over the top. But I was like, you know what? Like sometimes, sometimes you do just have to flex. And if these guys wanted to tell me that I was a dumbass and a moron for saying that Monopoly was strategy and not luck, you know, I went ahead and said, all right, well, here's how lucky I got. And I took a picture of all the money that I had and the properties that I had, totaling almost $5,000. And uh, I, I I put that on my story. And yeah, maybe that is a little bit of salt in the wounds. But I'm like, you know what? Hey, look how lucky I got, everybody. Like, look at that. Look at the kid. Hey, he's just a lucky guy. He's a lucky guy. So yeah, I had some fun with it. Now, that might have been a little bit too far to do that one, you know? But I'm like, you know what? Fuck these guys. Like, <laughs> fuck it, okay? So that was Friday night, okay? Now, we will move on. I have some more, I'll, I'll have some more thoughts on that to wrap up, but like, we'll move on, okay? Saturday morning, I get up, grab a coffee, and I went to go post up at a place that was recommended by my buddy Jeremy at the Starbucks on Gallatin Avenue, Great recommendation, guy. Really brightened up my day in the morning. And I go to Pinewood Social, and I positioned at a table, and I sat outside, and I was working on graphics and social media stuff while I gave the thumbs up and smiles to people running and walking a 5K. So that was really cool. And again, I I just, I love to be able to provide that little boost of energy for somebody, especially if you're running and, you know, you're kind of like, just get through it, just get through it, just get through it. Sometimes just the smile or the thumbs up or the nod of a stranger will carry you. It'll give you a little boost of energy. So I was thrilled that that was happening and I could kind of sit out there on a nice morning and just be that for some people. So that was the morning and then I hit the road by about 12.30 on Saturday. And first ride went well. I talked to uh, a guy that worked in a factory that, you know, I was like, well, you know, give me, give me some good stories. And he told me some stories about people losing their fingers and limbs and it was pretty gory. So I'm not going to tell those ones, but the second ride of the day was amazing for me. Okay. It was pretty quick. A girl got in and she had a service animal that she was working with. And this was amazing because a movement was born on this ride, okay? For weeks, you guys have heard me talking about, hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure out Clubhouse and I'm trying to use TikTok. And like now that I've had a TikTok go viral and do 40,000 plus views, I'm trying to figure out how I can incorporate this in terms of like displaying what I think is really one of the coolest parts of the show, which is that all of my writers and the people that are giving me these stories and really good pieces of advice and insight are all different. They all look different. They talk different. They, they, they make different amounts of money. They wear different clothes. They come from different parts of the world. And yet, 
the the same underlying kind of principle is that real recognize real and these people really ride with me and so while i'm taking this ride with this girl we talked about TikTok and we talked about the podcast and I was like, hey, would you want to get a TikTok? And she was like, yeah, what do I say? And I was like, you know what? This is perfect. I've been thinking about using this hashtag um, for, for a little bit, you know, for a couple weeks. I ride with Benny T. But this was the moment that I said, hey, I'm going to get this TikTok. Go ahead and say this. And I'll get this woman to say, I ride with Benny T. So this is the very first time that I've ever done this with a rider and used this hashtag. And it's exciting because now it's going to become like a snowball effect. But this is the very first one. Here we go. All right, I got Christine in the car. She's going to lay down some real talk. Hi, guys. I'm Christine. This is my service dog, Ruby. You can follow her at Ruby the Service Pup on Instagram. Hey. Um, and I ride with Benny T. Hey. <laughs> Quick, fun, light, to the point with it. And Christine was great. And so she was on her way to one of the graduation ceremonies for a university that's located down there in Nashville. And that was the very first time I've ever done that. And I've, I've gotten a few rider TikToks, but, you know, the two that I did, they weren't really good. And not even that that one was like that amazing. It's just I, I'm going to take that and build upon it. And now I've got this blueprint. And now, as you'll see, I have two more on here today that we're going to get to that uh, people are starting to use that hashtag. And it's really, really exciting. So um, the next few rides were pretty smooth. I had a fun conversation with a girl from Belgium about astrological signs. And I was like, yeah, I'm a Gemini. And, and we kind of went into that. And she's like, oh, gosh, the Geminis. And like, uh, yeah. By the way, it's Gemini season right now, so buckle up, bitches. All right, we're 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 coming. It's Gemini season, and uh, things are things are good. Things are looking up. So, but uh, but it was just a funny uh, Gemini's man. We get shit on so much, but literally look at the. I, I saw this collage of Gemini's, and like there's some pretty awesome Gemini's, man. JFK, Kanye, uh, your boy. All right, there was there was multiple. Gemini's, I can't remember on this list that, uh, but but those ones are the ones that stick out to me the most, right? And maybe that's the most Gemini thing of all time. Maybe I'm just conceited, but to list myself amongst like the top Gemini's ever, I'm like, okay, I, I remember Kanye, JFK, and me. It's like, wow. Love yourself much? I try, okay? Sometimes I hate myself, sometimes I love myself. It just depends on the day, but we continue, okay? The very next ride after the Belgian girl was one of these rides that I love so, so much. This was a guy we'll call Jamie, who's at a crossroads in his life. Gets in, starts telling me his life story. He said he was about to turn 30 years old, so right around my age. And Jamie works for one of the major investment banks. And the reason that I love these rides, the reason why I love these, is because sometimes I get to meet people right as they're nearing this crossroads in their life. And this was one of those times. So at the beginning of the ride, we were talking about everybody's journey through COVID and you know people that took advantage of their time. And uh, he was definitely one of those people. He said that he went down, he was living with some family in Florida at the time uh, during the quarantine. He, he was based in Texas and then he moved down to Florida to just kind of get away and work remote and while he was there he got his private pilot license which is something that he said he had always wanted to do and uh, it was just something that he really thought was fun so 
that's how kind of he spent his quarantine, right? Working and pursuing that. And he said, you know, I had a lot of buddies that are in New York that just got wasted the whole time. And I was like, man, I think everybody can relate to that because me, myself, yeah, I took the quarantine and I took COVID as the opportunity to build this show and, and start an LLC and like build my own studio and my condo and like start doing all these things that, that now you're seeing a year down the road. It's, it's the culmination of all these different things that I started doing when I was quarantined and when I was in the midst of like the heights of COVID. And I have friends that couldn't turn off. They couldn't stop. They had to continue going out every weekend, no matter where it was. They had to continue being the cool guy. They had to continue like, you know, I I had other friends that just really, really tanked in terms of the drinking thing, you know? It's like they're at home the whole time. Some people, they wait until they get home after work to have their first drink. Well, now if you're working from your home office or your kitchen table and you're looking at your bourbon cart or your alcohol cart and it's right there staring at you in the face, I've talked to plenty of people that that said, yeah, you know, during the midst of all that, I kind of started drinking and having my first drink around 10 a.m., which was not great, and I'm having to kind of dig myself out of that hole. So um, there were people that used their time wisely, and there was people that weren't. And even going back to, like, allow me to reintroduce myself and some of those early on episodes, guys, that's what I've been talking about and preaching about for a year now is there's going to be two types of people that emerge from the quarantine, people that use the time wisely and people that wasted it. So which one do you want to be? And this guy was obviously somebody that emerged as somebody that took advantage of his time during quarantine and the journey that he put himself on. So Really, really interesting. I, I love that part of it. It's it's I, that's really fascinating to me. But we talked about that at the beginning of the ride, and then he was telling me, you know, I lived in Texas pre-pandemic, and then once it hit, I moved to Florida because everybody in the company was instructed to begin working from home. And then near the beginning of this year, I moved down to Nashville just on a whim. I had friends here. There was a girl here that I was, you know, maybe thinking about uh, trying to make some moves on, but for whatever reason, that didn't work out. But Nashville is just a really cool place, and I moved here, and I'm really happy that I did. And he's like, well, you know, now, at this point, when I'm meeting him, like many companies, emails have started circulating about bringing people back into the office, and his office is in Texas. So he's telling me, like, man... I'm really not sure what to do. I've got two leases right now. One's in this Texas city and one's here in Nashville. And I'm debating on whether to go back to Texas and continue down that path or potentially stay here in Nashville. And I've got interviews coming up for positions that are in Nashville and some other places in the Southeast. So I'm just trying to figure out what the hell I want to do. And I said, well, what do you do with the company that you're with? Because he said that he worked at one of these big banks But, you know, there's a million different things that that could mean. So he says accounting. So it's a pretty transferable skill. But being with this big bank, I feel like just another cog in the wheel, man. So when I get down to Nashville and everybody has stuff going on, like, you know, whether it be music or I said podcasts, he's like, yeah, podcasts, just very individual type things. It's like, dude, that creative style definitely speaks to me more than being a cog in the wheel of some machine. Like, that experience has been great. It is great. 
but it's not really the lifestyle I want long term. And so some of these interviews right now, one of them that's coming back through was pitched to me as basically the eBay for this certain product. It's way too specific, so I'm going to leave that one blank, but it's the eBay for for this type of product, okay? And he's like, but dude, that sounds pretty awesome to me because I'm interested in building something and solving problems that come up rather than doing the same thing every day. And when you're building a company or you're working with a startup, that can be a very satisfying thing in the sense that every day might have you working on something different, especially in the beginning. And that was really a good eye-opener for me because... I'm not going to lie, my perception of accounting is pretty straightforward. It's like you're crunching numbers, you're analyzing, you're forecasting, you're redlining. Ask any accountant that you know, and I'm sure that they'll probably admit to you, like, yeah, my job is is kind of boring. I'm good at it. It brings me money. But yeah, at least compared to other jobs out there, accounting isn't the most sexiest thing in the world, Okay. But after having this conversation with this guy, it shifted my perspective in that I now see this path that I didn't previously see where you can have an entrepreneurship feel to accounting, right? If you're an accountant and you work at one of these startups or you go be an accountant at a company that's just brand new and that is poised to disrupt a market or something, that's exciting. That makes accounting work exciting, right? Whereas you think about accounting, you're like, man, you sit at a desk and you just read numbers all day and like, listen, there's so many more things that go into accounting, I'm sure. There's nuances of the job that are probably much more enjoyable that I'm just like, um, you know, (laughs) kind of swiping a big broad brushstroke over and not giving those things the and and highlighting those things and giving them the attention that they deserve and like I'm sure that they're they exist okay I don't mean to overgeneralize accounting but it just in terms of the way that it's portrayed in the media and on television shows and in movies and stuff it sounds like kind of a boring job okay and I don't think I'm shattering anybody's worldview of what they do by saying that and It shifted my perspective, this conversation, in being like, wait a second, it doesn't have to be boring. Like, yeah, I'm sure if you sat at a desk and you ran accounting for one of these big companies, a big investment bank, that probably would be a little bit boring or tedious or monotonous. But if you were an accountant for a business that you and your buddy started that let you do what you do, get paid for it, and you're good at what you do, And you can also feel like you're building something, you're growing with something, there's a real connection to what you're doing. That's something that I didn't even realize could be possible until this conversation. And I thought that was really cool upon reflecting on this story and writing this one up. So (laughs) circling back and resetting at this crossroads that this guy's at, okay? I just got off on a tangent, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving here. Let me circle back and reset. This guy is at this crossroads in his career and his life. If he continues straight down the path that he's on, he moves back to this Texas city that he lives in, he keeps his job with the big bank, and he comes back to Nashville on the weekends while he's still in the lease like he was talking about doing, and he probably keeps looking for new opportunities, but who knows? I mean, maybe this guy stays with the firm that he's at and the money's so good that he never leaves him, but sacrificing the personal satisfaction that he might get from something more creative allows him to travel on the weekends 
or afford a second place or vacation in some dope spots and enjoy the personal lifestyle provided by this boring job or at least this job that society deems as boring. Okay, here's the other option. He makes a sharp turn. He leaves behind that job and finds an opportunity that allows him to scratch that creative itch and be passionate about the work that he's doing and the companies that he's doing it for. And it, 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 he, he's able to do it in a way that he finds is more rewarding for him. The trade-off with that being there's way more risk involved in that path. And he might have to walk down multiple paths and split off from that one a few times and circle back and go down another one and things fail because startups are volatile. And many of them do fail, so you never know. And it might be a few years until the thing becomes profitable and then the people that are building it and like the the founders actually are able to take a salary or take money out of the business or or see it become something that is sustainable and making a lot of money. Like you, you never know, right? And at that point, you're sacrificing the personal lifestyle perks that come with a six figure salary. And maybe things are tight for a while and you got to pass on some ski trips or weekends in Vegas, no more dual leasing, but therein lies the crux that we're all faced with at some point in our careers. And that is, what do I really want? What brings me the most happiness? What am I willing to compromise on now in order to get what I want in the future? Where am I trying to go? Who am I trying to be? Like These are some really big questions that always engage and interest me because if it's the lifestyle outside of work having fuck you money and being able to do whatever you want then stick to the script at least for now but if it's spending your working years doing something that you feel connected to that brings you daily fulfillment swerve swerve on them and hey nothing says that option two can't bring you those things outside of work as well You can still have a great life on the weekends and do some baller shit even if you pursue the passion things. Maybe not as often, but if you're smart, you can find that balance. But again, it all boils down to what do you really want, what drives you, and what's going to offer you the most satisfaction. And to know that, my friends, you got to know yourself. And so getting back to my response to him and why I wanted to include this story on here. This is something that I've spoken with to so many of my peers about as they're getting out of college and they're forging their path in the real world. I said, you either pursue your creative passions and you're broke as shit through your 20s and maybe even in your 30s until hopefully it pops and you've worked hard enough to get great at it and the money comes later and then there's this other group that goes into something safe or is pressured into something by their family or, or their life circumstances, whatever it may be. But they go into something like medicine or law or banking or accounting or sales. And they do that job really well for an extended period of time, but they feel indifferently towards it. They don't really care. And then they end up reaching a point where they quit that job and they start over with some savings and security to finally go after those creative passions or whatever it was that they decided not to pursue in the beginning. You know, I think that's a really interesting dichotomy of life. And he said, man, you nailed it. Like, that is me. I I don't think I necessarily got stuck in accounting because I was initially going to do the Marines. And I did the training for that and everything, and I was just like, "Uh." and my mom was like, you know, you don't have to do that. And I was like, oh, well, 
what do you think I should do? And she's like, try finance or accounting. I was like, all right, like accounting, everything seems to make sense. But then now I was in this audit style structured environment and it's like, all right, yeah, I don't necessarily like that part of it. I like more of the entrepreneurial, figure things out on the fly type deal. Like I need a little bit more activity than just getting good at doing the same thing over and over and over again. So that's why I'm kind of happy that they started calling people back into the office because at the beginning of the year, I was like about to quit my job. And then they sent the return to office email pretty recently and I was like, okay, well, now the pressure's on because I need to find a job soon or else otherwise I'm going to have to assume the double lease and still be left figuring it all out. And I, I told them, hey, good luck with everything. I definitely want to know what path that you take. I would, uh, even if it's not the thing that you were talking about doing, if you end up leaving this big bank, I'm definitely interested to hear. And so please follow up with me. I gave him a card and I was like, I, I just, I would love to hear it, man. So just send it to me. And I hope you find that thing that lets you scratch that creative itch, but that also allows you to become profitable, man. So he said he has until June 14th to make that decision either way. So hopefully we'll hear back from him. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, if we do, but uh, if, if that day never comes and I never get a follow-up, then good luck, my friend. Well, three rides go by, and then a couple of dudes get in the car, and we go wherever they were going, but at this point, I had been driving for several hours, and I really needed to stop and take a piss so bad that as soon as I picked these guys up, like I had been debating whether I should stop and like, can I hold it? Will it go away? Like, no, it never does. So when I pick these guys up, I turn the app off and I turn requests off so that I can take a little break. And I needed to find a gas station to take a leak, right? So I drop these guys off and I get about two minutes away from them on my way to the nearest gas station that I could find when I get a call from this number that I don't recognize. Again, I'm offline, and it's one of these guys. Hey, man, I think I left my sunglasses in your car. Could you take a look when you get a chance? Can you please bring those back to me? And I was like, look in the back seat, and there's the sunglasses sitting right there. I'm like, I was like on the phone with them. I'm like, hey, man, honestly, you got really lucky because I am offline. I I I uh, I can bring these back to you, and maybe this is kind of weird, but I turned the app off so that I could go find a gas station and take a piss. That's literally what I'm on my way to do right now. So if I bring these back to you right now, would it be cool if I piss in your place? <laughs> kind of a weird request to just ask a stranger, right? But I'm like, hey, you know what? I just let these guys in my car. Maybe this guy will let me into his apartment. So when I asked this guy, he's like a little bit thrown off, but he's like, uh, yeah, I, I, we, we can figure something out. Yeah, that, that, that works, man. I'm like, great, I'll see you in two minutes. So I turn around and I'm driving back to this guy's house. Well, as I'm kind of looking for it again, I notice that a, a, among all these different little apartments, there's one that's pretty close a few doors down and the garage door is open and in it, there's about six or seven or eight dudes, young-looking dudes, all with their shirts off. They're all drinking. They're watching lacrosse. And I just noticed these guys, and I'm like, 
man, those those guys look like my guys. Those guys look like some people that I would want to kick it with for a little bit. So I drive back to this guy's place, right? Find it. He runs out. I give him the sunglasses. I'm like, thank you so much for this. He's like, hey, listen, the floors are dirty. Like, we got a bunch of shit. We're moving. So there's a bunch of shit all over the place. And I'm like, hey, no worries, man. I'll be in and out. I uh, went in there, did my thing. I come back out and I'm like, all right, fellas, thank you. And as I'm walking back to the car, I was like, man, should I do it? Should I do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. So go into the car grab a handful of my business cards with the show information and all my social media stuff on it. And I walk back over to this garage and I say, what's up, boys? And on cue, man, these guys just whip their heads around, look at me, they're like, what's this guy? Who's this guy? And I'm like, they, I mean, they, they whip their head around like dogs. It was like, when I said, what's up, boys? It was like a dog whistle, man. They whip their heads around. They're like, who's this guy? You know, what's this guy about? Why is this guy walking into the garage? I'm like, fellas, what's good? I host a podcast, and I think it's something that you guys would fuck with. And we ended up standing there talking. The guys were great. Uh, we, we swapped some good stories, and they were all lacrosse players for Brown University. So I got some Ivy Leaguers, you know, classing up the joint. And they they were just like, I don't know, something... Something about seeing them made me kind of feel like, man, I see a little bit of myself in these guys, right? All hanging out, just broing out on a fucking Saturday, drinking shirts off, watching sports. I'm like, man, I want to kick it with these guys for a minute. So end up hanging out with them for probably like 20 minutes. And we got this TikTok and it is my favorite one from the weekend. I'm going to play it for you right now. All right, so long story short, this dude had left his sunglasses in my car, and I was offline. I had to take a piss so bad. He called. He was like, hey, can you circle around? I was like, fuck, I guess so. So I bring him his glasses, and I'm like, hey, this might be weird, but can I also take a piss in your place? So he's like, I guess. Sure. Yeah, come on in. Go in, snake a piss. While I'm walking out, I see this garage full of my boys who are all hanging out, and I'm like, fellas, I got to tell you something. I got a podcast that I think you would fuck with. And so, on the count of three, we're going to say what we do. Three, two, one. Ride, ride with Benny T. Hey. Get it. Get it. Uh. <laughs> the boys. Don't miss the IV drip in the morning recovery. <laughs> Those are my boys right there. The dude at the end, I, I, you could probably pick up on that, but they were all shotgunning beers. Go and watch these videos, man. It is so worth going to watch these videos at BennyTomp18 on TikTok. You can see them all, but they're all shotgunning beers, and the guy that's walking up to the camera at the very end, he's like, hey, don't miss this morning IV drip, which is something that I tried to get a company that does that thing here in Louisville, and the guy was uh, you know, short-sighted enough to pass on it. Didn't ultimately land that deal, but that's okay because there are many other companies that do that same thing that I bring value to. And I'm like... That's genius, man. Anytime you are out drinking and uh, you, you need a little bit of boost, go grab one of these on-demand IV bags. They are lifesavers. But this kid, I mean, he's an IV leaguer. He's obviously smart like your boy, so he's got the IV drip. And that was just really fun, man. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I loved that one. That one was so fun to me because there's like, you know, uh, there's a part of me that 
I I just there's there will always be that part of me that like is kind of barstool Tucker Maxi that wants to be that and and it's like that can't be the only part of the show but when I can ball out with the bros a little bit I love those opportunities so the fact that I got to share that with those guys and kind of kick it with them was great and then I'm offline still at this point right it was a good time to take a break well one of them actually needed to go to Broadway and he was like, yo, can I just toss you some money and you take me down there? And I was like, yeah, sure. Just here's my Venmo at BennyTomp18. If anybody wants to send me any money, I will gladly accept it. Thank you very much. But uh, I was like, yeah, man, I'll take you to Broadway. So it was perfect. I, I got to, you know, I got to do my thing, uh, take a piss, right? I got to meet some new friends. They all followed me on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And then I also got to make money going back down to Broadway, which we were kind of, we were kind of out of the way from, you know, so it was perfect. And so once I take that guy down to Broadway, drop him off, very next ride, I get a handful of ladies celebrating a bachelorette party. And I had the bride and her two lieutenants in the car. And I guess everybody else had kind of scattered, but this was like the power car, right? I got the bride, I got the maid of honor, and I got the other best friend, and they got an Uber for just themselves. So I'm like, yeah, that's sick, right? And then we grabbed this TikTok. All right, I got some ladies that want to lay down some real talk. They're in town from Philly celebrating Woo! Britney's Bachelorette weekend. And three, two, one. I ride with Betty T. <laughs> Again, all of these TikToks can be found at Tom 18 I highly encourage you to go and view them immediately. I'm becoming a TikTok star. What can I say? But I included that one because now I'm I'm really like I'm three videos into this thing and into this new movement and into this I ride with Benny T, which is something that I can put on merchandise which is something that like is going to be a powerful tool in helping to continue like grow the show, right? Is like now I have some marketing material outside of just the regular, you know, real talk and myself and the Uber stories thing. Like now I have something that people can really start to use that will unify people. And I'm really, really excited about that. And am I a marketing genius? Am I a marketing guru? <laughs> Maybe, okay, only time will tell. But it seems like a pretty fucking good idea. And now I've got three of these videos that are starting to take off and that are rolling. And I'm going to continue to do those and, and perfect those. I, I need to figure out a way. And it's, again, it's really hard with only 60 seconds that you that you have on TikTok. But I need to figure out the perfect balance between teasing what the story is from the person and then having them at the end say, I ride with Benny T. Um, so I'm, I'm still perfecting that and like working on that and I won't have it figured out immediately, but at least for right now, I do have the part of, uh, the biggest part of it figured out is how can I use TikTok and how can I use it in a way that showcases and highlights one of the awesome things about the show, which is that it's everybody from all walks of life and they all ride with me and now I got them saying it. So it's exciting, man. I'm really, really excited about that. So, yeah, three TikToks. Uh, the rest of the night was highlight. This was funny. This guy got in and he was from Missouri and he was wearing a tiger suit, complete with a tail. I mean, he he had like 
the the Bengal type tiger print um, up top in his jacket. He had the pants. He was wearing a top hat, and he had a tail sticking out. And I said to the guy, I was like, dude, you remind me of Chris Farley in Beverly Hills Ninja when he tries to disguise himself as a pimp. I was like, have you ever seen that movie? And he was like, yeah, 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 that's a good movie. And uh, I don't know, that that was just a quick little funny one. And then uh, I also, this was cool. I ran into some guys that I knew from high school that had moved down to Nashville. And I swear, dude, as I was pulling up, I was looking at this guy and I was like, man, he looks familiar. He looks so familiar. Why does he look so familiar? And then as we start going, um, we start talking and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm from Louisville too. And it's like, oh no, wait a second, wait a second. And then it was like, hey, I know you. And then it was like, what's up, man? How you been? And then I got to catch up with some old friends. So that was pretty cool. And then the very last ride of the night, my stopping point was at the Grand Old Opry. So I took a couple out there. And so I, I feel like I had, in almost every aspect of the Nashville experience, I feel like I had it and I lived it between getting to go to some really cool gyms, between going to see the Grand Old Opry, which is a really, really cool uh, musical venue, between eating the best hot chicken in Nashville that we're going to get to here in a minute. But like all of these things happened and I just thought it was really, really cool that I could end the night seeing the Grand Old Opry, which isn't something that I would like necessarily go out of my way to see, but the fact that I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like that's a Nashville thing, right? It's a piece that I can speak about when I'm kind of doing this episode. So I, I feel like I got all of these Nashville things. And it was about 7 p.m. at this point. So I'd been driving for, you know, six and a half, seven hours. And man, after three nights on an air mattress, two very challenging workouts and averaging about five hours of sleep on all of these nights, I decided two things. One, I didn't want to be around anybody else at this point. And two, I needed a real bed. So based on those two things alone, it was a pretty easy decision to check myself into a hotel. But that combined with the events that unfolded during Friday night's little game night also played a small role in that because... When I got up on Saturday morning before I started driving, I, I was just like, I got up and out. I didn't have to spend a ton of time with the guys. But once I got done and I was sitting in the parking lot of the Grand Ole Opry, one, I looked up hotel prices and I also looked up where the nearest Chick-fil-A was so that I could go. And I literally ate chicken all weekend long. And I was just like, you know what? I love winding the night down on a long day and having a little bit of winner win a chicken dinner. I mean, that's my move. That's becoming my move. So I ended up checking into a hotel on Saturday night and, um, you know, again, I, I just, my body, when I'm on these trips, I'm going at such a fast pace and I, I'm a little bit manic, not going to lie, right? I mean, it's just like kind of like a natural thing, I think, to be thrust into this go, 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 go mindset. And so I just, I don't need as much sleep when I'm in the midst of one of these weekends, where I'm just flying around like a madman, very, very calm and, and collected and measured in many ways. Medication helps with that, right? But like also, I just, when I'm in an elevated mood, when I'm a little bit manic, I don't need that much sleep. I can be good off of four or five, six hours. I mean, I average about six or seven hours a night as it is. And so if, I, if I'm, you know, sleeping off of five hours, I can do it. But at some point, I do reach a point where I'm just like, man, I am exhausted, 
and I know that the rest that I need to get in order to feel refreshed for tomorrow is not going to be had on an air mattress. And also, the vibe at this place sucks. I don't want to go back there. So I checked into a hotel. And as soon as I went back and packed up all my stuff, which was already all neatly packed in the corner anyways, but I went back, I loaded up the car, I told my buddy, hey man, I need a bed tonight. I really need a place that I can just go and crash. And I, and and it's important for me because like I'm I'm expending all of this energy throughout the entire weekend around different people. I'm entertaining all day long. I'm driving, I'm working. I mean, I'm working. And it is draining. I love it, but it is draining. It can be draining to exude that much energy with other people. It it can be, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm tired as fuck, man. And I reach a point where I don't want to come and be around other people. I just want to be a hermit. I want to set a thermostat at 67 degrees. I want to crawl into bed. And I just want to watch something on TV and just not talk to anybody and just recharge my batteries. That's what I need. That Those are the things that I crave. So I told my buddy that and he was kind of like, well, are you sure? Like kind of, kind of. I think feigned and and acted a little bit like, no, don't leave. Like, oh, no, no. And and I was just like, no, it's cool, man. Like, it's cool. And I, I think we were both kind of dancing around that charade. Like, he was glad but wanted to act like, oh, dude, are you, are you sure? And I was just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over this but didn't want to come out and necessarily say that so you know deferred to my body thing which was true which was very true like and and moving forward I literally have decided now after this trip this was a trip that that also something changed in me where I'm going you know what no more air mattresses no more friends couches I'm staying in hotels from here on out because I just need a space to come back and recharge that that I can just like decompress from a long day like I, I just need that so um it was like no more but uh yeah I think we both kind of knew and so I was happy to head out he was happy I think that you know that it wasn't going to be awkward anymore and I went and checked into the hotel and I got a good night of sleep so then Sunday morning I wake up I get everything ready to go Sunday was the day that I was going to go out to Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish down in Franklin and treat my buddy Garrett and his girlfriend Gabby to this meal. And I also wanted to go and check out Garrett's house. Him and Gabby just recently purchased a house. And I, I realized, you know, when I went down there and saw this place, how badly I fucked up because the way that I was thinking about it was like, I don't want to be an imposition on this couple and be in their space. And, and even though I, after seeing the house now, they had so much space. I really, and I told them, I was like, dude, yeah, man, I fucked up. I should have stayed with you guys. You know, like it would have been a much better experience vibe. They were a little bit further out of Nashville, but um, you know, whereas my my other the the guy that I stayed with, I was right downtown, so or, you know, like really really close to downtown, so it made it really easy to just go on and off in the mornings and nighttime and stuff like that. But I was like, man, I fucked up. Like I should have stayed with you. I don't know why I didn't. And and the reason why was because. I cared, I guess, I cared enough about them that I didn't want to impose on them and be in their space. And with my other friend who has stayed with me, literally lived with me for two summers when we were in like high school and college, 
can't remember exactly when, but I think it was college. We were all kind of working our little summer jobs, and he came up and literally stayed with us for two summers. And I have provided this guy with beds, with couches, with food, with a place to stay, with, um, you know, Ubers, you know, when we go out, like, no matter what, I have had this other dude's back, and I just feel like, you know what, if I'm going to have to impose on somebody, it's going to be you, because I don't really give a shit about that, you know, it's kind of like, I never, ever come down and stay with you, so you kind of owe me, like, you know, you owe me one, right, and if I have to be in somebody's way, and kind of inconvenience them a little bit, I'd rather it be him, rather than my friends who are living in a house and and kind of like uh, doing couple things, right? Just at different points. I'm like, this other guy has two roommates and I don't really care if I come in late or like wake them up early or something, but I, I do if I do that to you guys. So that's the reason I stayed with uh, the guy that I did and it was ultimately a bad decision. It was, uh, it was something that, uh, you know, look, oh well, I learned from it, we'll move on. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to go and check out my buddy Garrett's house, so I said, all right, well, if we're going to go to Big Shakes, the three of us, I'll come over early, I'm going to go do, I'm going to try to do three rides. I love doing Sunday service, so I'm going to step out, go do just three rides, and then I'll come back, and I'll go check out the house, and then the three of us will go down to Franklin, where Big Shakes is located, one of the locations, and we'll have ourselves a great meal. Well, I got to the first ride, and the person never showed up, so I canceled. And then on my way to the second request, they canceled. And I was like, well, shit, now I've, I, I, I just need one ride. I would just want to do one ride, and I've literally wasted like 30 minutes getting to these people and them canceling on me or me canceling on them and them just like no showing. So I haven't had a ride yet, but finally they say that the third time's a charm. It definitely proved true right here. The third request that I got on Sunday morning actually didn't cancel or no show on me. And I took them to wherever they were going and I told them you're a special ride because you were my last one of the weekend and you're the only one that I'm going to end up doing today. And so it was a good conversation. It was an enjoyable ride. Not really story worthy, but that was it. I, I, I did one ride on Sunday service and then I went over to Garrett and Gabby's and I got to check out the house. <laughs> Again, man, I messed up. Next time I'll know. And next time, you know, next time I'm getting a hotel, but like, yeah, I wish I, wish I would have uh, chosen a little bit differently there. But the three of us hop in the car and we head down to Franklin, and we go to Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish. And I had worked with their social media guy, Taylor, and he helped set this thing up. And man, we got a slathering of food. I'm telling you, it was so good. I really wanted to find the best hot chicken and fish place in Nashville, okay? And partner with them and plug them up. And I think I did. I think I did. Chef Big Shake is the owner and the founder of Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish. Guy's an entrepreneur. Already, I respect this guy. He was on season two of Shark Tank. He was one of the very first pitches um, of in the history of Shark Tank, right? He didn't end up securing a deal. He went on there pitching the shrimp burger, which we got to try, which I'll get to here in a minute. 
but he doesn't secure a deal on the Shark Tank. But lots of praise. Everybody loved the food. Everybody complimented him and his hustle. The episode airs, and then private firms come in, and he's able to raise the money that he needs in order to expand and do the things that he's done from then until now to build his brand up. And he's also been featured, Big Shakes, Hot Chicken, and Fish. He's also been featured on Man vs. Food and some other cooking network shows. So, like, it's a pretty well-known brand. And if you're willing to drive a little bit out of Nashville, I mean, I think it took us like 20 minutes to get to Franklin. But the thing that I was thinking of is like, you see all of these different shows, diners, drive-ins, and 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 dives, and like Guy Fieri, and all of them start by saying, hey guys, we're 20 minutes outside of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee, home of the, or hey, we're an hour outside of Las Vegas, home of the best you know, and it's just like, dude, you have to sometimes travel to these places to really get the best stuff. That was true here. So go down and check them out. What we got to try was a big plate that we split between the three of us. They brought out three tenders, which we got to try in different heat levels, okay? We got to try the hot mess sandwich, which is a chicken sandwich, and it was... It, that was like my personal favorite thing was the hot mess sandwich. And I thought it was perfect because I'm like, dude, it's a Sunday. You know, for anybody that's listening, who doesn't wake up on a Sunday and think, wow, my life is a mess. I am a hot mess. This thing is the perfect hangover cure. It's the perfect Sunday scaries cure. This thing is fire. So definitely if there's one thing that you try, it's got to be the hot mess sandwich. We also got to try the chicken tacos, which were amazing, mouth-watering. We got a whole like quarter leg and thigh that was covered in this seasoning, the skin. It was just like, it was amazing, okay? And then we got to try the famous shrimp burger that made it onto Shark Tank. And I had never had a shrimp burger. Now, forgive me for my ignorance here, but I literally was like, <laughs> this is how dumb I am sometimes. I thought a shrimp burger was going to be like patty, right? The bun with cocktail shrimp. <laughs> I was like, I thought that was, no, it's it's a burger patty made of shrimp meat. And oh my God, it was good. It was like, the three of us, we all split that one. Um, Gabby had a lot more of the shrimp burger. She really likes fish. So she had uh, some of that and I got to try that. And I was like, holy shit, that's good. Like, that's amazing. And we also got some awesome fixins. We got to try the French fries. We got to try the beans. We got to try the coleslaw, and we also got to try the macaroni and cheese. All very, very good. And then to top it all off, they brought us some of the deep fried Oreos, which were amazing. And we were literally sitting there at the end of the meal, like if we had been wearing belts we probably would have been loosening up the notches, right? We would have been, because we're all sitting there like, oh my God, that was amazing. That was incredible. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. Uh, there was a point when we were eating that some guy parked his car and was walking up to the building. And we literally, like, Garrett was like, oh, that's him. There he is. And I had asked, I was like, hey, if Big Shake can do it, um, I would love to meet him and maybe ask him a couple questions and really personalize this experience so that when I come back on the podcast, I can talk about this and like, 
you know, talk about meeting him and stuff. And they were like, well, you know, he's a busy guy, obviously, but uh, we'll see what we can do. So midway through this meal, <laughs> I have my back turned to the windows and Garrett is looking beyond me. And he's like, dude, I think here he is. I think this is him right here. And this guy is getting out of his car and he's walking up towards the building. And I'm like, all excited. I'm like, oh, let's go. Like, let's go. He did it. Like, he's here. I'm like meeting Santa Claus for the first time, right? Well, uh, totally snapped our necks. It was a guy that looked like him, but actually wasn't Chef Big Shake. And we realized that after like five minutes, this guy had gone to another little business inside this, this strip. And we were like, fuck, man. Like, damn, I wish, I wish we would have got to meet him. But like, you know, it was, it was, it was such a cool experience, and um, I really hope that if you're going to Nashville or if you're from Nashville and you're really looking to find the best place that serves hot chicken, just go the road less traveled. Go a little bit outside of the city. Don't go to fucking Hattie B's or any of these chains. Go experience some real southern cooking, some real hot chicken, some real hot fish. Go to Big Shakes. Tell them I ride with Benny T, and they're going to take 15% off of your meal and you're going to be in heaven, my friends. You're going to be thanking me and Chef Big Shake that we put you on. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to plug. So it was amazing. And then after that, I was like, you know what? That meal was so good. I don't think there's anything that I could possibly do that's going to top that. So I made the executive decision to go ahead and call it a day. And after I dapped up Garrett, and Gabby and said my goodbyes and did all my little social media stuff in the parking lot, I drove back to Louisville. And I'm telling you, it was a successful trip. I mean, in so many ways, this trip has now become something that I'm going to look at and be like a before and after on this timeline, like before Nashville and after Nashville. I learned a lot. I was able to build upon some of the things that I learned in Atlanta, and I have a lot of big picture takeaways as it relates to the weekend, some of the stuff that happened, some of the places that, that I'm headed, and so I, I will go ahead and uh, we'll do those now. We'll wrap those up. The first one being, I built upon a lot of the things that Atlanta taught me. You know, pitching the cards and making that the first thing that I did when I got to Nashville, let me hit the ground running and it let me get off to a fast start where then I could build that momentum up and let that carry into all the other things that I did that weekend. And in Atlanta, that was the last thing that I did was going to the Atlanta Beltline and doing that. This time, the very first thing that I did besides tossing down my bags was going to the Gulch and starting the weekend off right. And when I go to Chicago, it's going to be the same thing. When I go to Columbus, any of these other cities that I plan on doing, same thing. So I really felt good about the fact that I said, hey, this is something that I should be doing. This is something that worked well for me. Now I'm going to do it first. And again, it went very well. Um, something else that I thought about when I was in Atlanta, you know, being at Magic City and doing some of the other things that I did, being at the Battery, interacting with Molson Coors and getting a lot of our table and everything, you know, drinking for free on behalf of the company and like doing all that stuff on social media and coming back to LinkedIn and typing about, hey, if you're trying to become a brand ambassador or a paid partnership 
or a spokesperson or an influencer, right? You kind of have to start to put yourself out there in ways that you maybe feel uncomfortable with at first, you know, leaning into like, hey, I'm an influencer, I'm a YouTuber, I'm a TikToker, and saying that stuff and, and just owning it. But like, you know, having it be true and true to yourself and true to what you're doing, like that's important. And so before I went down to Nashville, I started hitting businesses up the week prior to partner with them and being like, hey, collab and in exchange for some of the hype and like the reviews and stuff on this web, on this episode, like that was something that I thought, hey, this is something that I, I had this thought in Atlanta and now this is something that I want to do when I get to Nashville. And I did it and I executed on it and it went very well and I was able to hang out at two gyms and I was able to go and partner with Big Shakes and it was just a really good experience and I learned things through collaborating with those businesses and those experiences taught me things that I'll want to do moving forward. So it was a really, really awesome way to, I don't know, just just build upon some of those things. Um, again, understanding the Uber regions, like that was something that I learned in Atlanta, and now I wasn't able to take rides when I was in Atlanta, but when I was in Nashville, I did, and I did them very well, and and it went very well. Um, the clubhouse pitch, you know, like getting that down and practicing that and also practicing it on the Atlanta Beltline and on my riders and like now when I meet people and I'm walking around the Gulch, I'm just ripping, man. I can pull up from anywhere, anytime, any place, name it, I'll shoot, I'll pull up on whoever, it doesn't matter and I just have the confidence in that because now I really have my elevator pitch down. Um, so walking around and doing that was great. Uh, the TikToks, the TikToks with my riders, you know, I ride with Benny T. That was something that was born out of this trip that I'm going to look back on and be like, man, that was great because that's where it all started. And so now I'm learning how to use TikTok in a way that will help me elevate this and my own personal brand and what I'm doing with the show. And like, that's really cool to me, you know? That's really cool to me. And now that we're even moving closer and closer towards this, when masks aren't mandated by Uber, it's going to be time to start moving towards the cameras. And like that's why I used Rider Audio and made the, I guess, just full transparency that I tape every ride, and it's totally legal to do that in all states but 11, and I can do whatever I want with that audio, and I don't do anything with it other than transcribe it into stories, but right now, there's some things that aren't going to be as funny or as poignant or as impactful if I try and retell it rather than just playing the audio clip of it, and I have those audio clips. So playing some of that and using some of that rider audio in the first part of this, I think only enhances the storytelling and the reason that I even went ahead and crossed that bridge is because I'm moving closer and closer towards cameras and this being a YouTube thing and and really taking it to the next level so um, yeah for all of those reasons I'm very very proud of what a successful trip this was and I'm very proud of the fact that I was able to take what I learned in Atlanta and not only build upon those things, but execute them successfully. That is big, okay? Here's another big picture takeaway. I called my buddy Michael Cho, who I stayed with in Atlanta, and I said, you know what? Thank you. 
thank you. Thank you so much because I was lucky to have the safety net that I did staying with him in Atlanta and and to be staying with somebody as close as I am with him that it let me fail safely, right? The fact that I got down there and then couldn't take any rides and freaked out and was like, what the fuck do I do now? Like, he created a space that I felt safe failing in. And he wasn't like, you know, pressuring me to get out or he, he, he wasn't like tripping about it or making me feel worse about it. Like, he constantly reminded me of, hey, it's okay, you know? How would you have known? Like, shit happens, man. You're good to stay here as long as you want. And it really let me have a comfortable space to, to kind of like process that. Had any of that stuff happened in Nashville, I don't think I would have handled it as well. But because I was able to have this safe, forgiving space to fall back on and such a good friend and show, that let me fail safely. And failing, like, failing in the sense that I had a plan, shit went sideways, and then it's like, okay, now what? I had to be really quick on my feet. And I think if I had gotten to Nashville and that same thing would have happened, I definitely would have taken it a little bit harder. And I told that to him. And I was like, I love you for that, so thank you. And he was like, dude, anytime, man. Here's another one. I want to create a shared playlist on Spotify. Apple Music doesn't have this yet. I'm always going to be team Apple Music over Spotify. But something that Spotify does and does well is that they allow people to make collaborative playlists. And so I want and I plan to make a shared playlist on Spotify that people that ride with me can add to if they want. And they can tag me on social media and they can they can say, hey, I added this song to this. Play it with your writers. Here's what the song means to me. Like It can be like a personalized thing. But I want to create a sense of community in that people that ride with me and people that want to like be like, hey, I just found this new song and I want your listeners and your writers to hear it. People can add to this playlist and it's something that people can feel like um, it is like a, I don't know, just like a, a place to go and like, you know, on Facebook pages, you write on a wall. This feels like a good tie-in to what I'm doing. So I, I just feel like that's something that I want to start doing. Um, here's another one. <laughs> I've only been down in Nashville a few times, but do you know what it's like to leave Nashville on a Sunday without the Sunday scaries? <laughs> pretty damn good. A lot of people go down to Nashville and they just go balls to the wall for like three or four days or two days or however long they're, they're there. And then they leave on a Sunday and it's like, oh my God, I my brain is wrecked. My body is wrecked. My bank account's wrecked. And I got to go be worth a shit tomorrow morning on Monday. Good luck, you know? And I have definitely left Nashville with that feeling before. But this time, I left in a really good place, feeling like I had just conquered the fucking world, or at least in this case, Nashville, Tennessee. I had some Sunday sadness, and I'll get to thoughts on that, but um, Sunday scaries, no, I had none of those. So that was really, really nice. And I guess I will go ahead and, and get into the like these final couple of things and then and then we're out of here but these ones are, are kind of most important and I saved the best for last but the Sunday sadness that I had relates to this feeling that the further that I go the further I feel from some of the people 
places and things that once seemed so close and familiar. And there's a reason that those things now feel unfamiliar. There's a reason that I find it harder to connect with certain people or places or activities. And that's because I'm outgrowing those things. I'm outgrowing those people. I'm outgrowing those ideas or the person that I used to be. Like, I, I can no longer connect to some of my older friends or people from past lives that used to be best friends or used to feel very close, but now like I'm moving on and they're in the same place, talking about the same things, hanging out with the same people. And I, I've, I've talked about this for so many months now, over a year, but a long time ago I said, I am no longer going to hold on to the things that don't serve me. And sometimes you just gotta let go. And that can be really, really hard because it's like, dude, I've been friends with this guy that I stayed with since seventh grade, my one of my oldest best friends. But now it's like, you know, you want to try and play history books and, and talk about like the person that I was in the past? I've moved on. I I am so far gone from that person that did those things or said those things or was interested in those things I have totally grown and evolved from that person and worked my ass off to do it. And that's why I don't feel conceited or, or any type of way about saying this stuff is like I worked hard to make the changes that I've made and present the person that I am to you right now in this moment today as opposed to the person that I used to be. I used to be a huge asshole, man, like a fucking dick. And I can still sometimes be an asshole, all right? Let's not act like I can't. But I have done so much self-work and therapy and reflection and and growth and changing throughout the person that I was from high school to college and college to California and California to where I am now like these are all chapters in my life that I look back on and I'm like wow I was I was the same in a lot of ways I was similar in a lot of ways but I am so different now than I was then and and that's good that's what you want like who wants to be the same person that you are at age 15, that you are at 25, that you are at 35, that you are at 65? Like, that doesn't sound healthy. That sounds fucking awful. And a part of, a part of this process is being at peace with the fact that there's going to be people that you leave behind. There's going to be things about your past that you leave behind. You're going to outgrow people and places and things and ideas. And you just got to be okay with letting go of things that no longer serve you. You know, that's something that I'm realizing and I've dealt with it in the last year, but I'm I'm continuously reminded of that. You know, I'm continuously reminded of that. And that's not to say that I'm better than anybody else, that I, I look at myself and I put myself above them or on a pedestal or I'm trying to be self-righteous and saying any of this stuff. That's not what it's about. I'm just being honest in, in my experience in moving on to different things and then losing friends along the way or having friends be a little bit petty or not as genuinely happy as I am. And it was funny, I was talking to my therapist about the Monopoly thing the other day. And it was like, you know, Monopoly is great because it reveals two different types of people. People who think in the short term and people who think in the long term. You were obviously thinking about the long term, your strategy. How can I win this game? 
your friends were thinking about the short term. What's best for me now? You know, and I talked about that with that crossroads rider where it's like, what am I willing to sacrifice now up front so that in the long run I can get what I want? That's what I'm doing. And it was funny. It's so funny that that this Monopoly game turns into this microcosm and this symbolic thing for all of these other underlying themes uh, that 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 are coming up with my friend because it's like, dude, these guys clearly didn't understand the game, clearly don't understand that it is strategy, that there is value in ownership, and um, it's like these two guys, a big part of what they were kind of dealing with um, that was kind of lingering over the weekend was they they have a third roommate, and I didn't really get to see the third roommate a ton because he was kind of in and out of the house, I think avoiding the amount of time that he spent with them. And these two guys were salty as hell because the guy that was their third roommate owned the house and he was about to do some fixes and repairs on the house and then raise the rent by three times, which was fair and within the market for what he could charge for those rooms. But these bums were looking at him like, hey, what are you doing, man? Why, why are you like making it about the money? And like, oh, I thought we were cool. I thought we were boys. And it's like, yeah, man, we are, but like, it's also a fucking business. Like, I'm also trying to make moves. Their roommate, their third roommate, is playing a long-term game. And so the fact that these two guys didn't understand how Monopoly works, and the fact that they're literally getting priced out of their own house, and it's literally playing out for them in real life, I was just like, wow, the irony here is too fucking thick. This is amazing. And my therapist was like, that's absolutely it. It's... It's short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And some people can't ever see that. And it's just like, you know, I'm that's that's not the type of shit that I'm trying to be on. Like I'm leaving all that kind of stuff and that those mentalities behind. So it was just, I don't know, it was funny. Um I feel like I've found this purpose, I found this mission and some of the people like my friend and and others um and this is a phenomenon that people experience all the time. If you start your own thing and, you know, people will tell you at the beginning, yeah, hey, go for it, do it, follow your dreams. And then at the beginning, it's like you pose no threat to them. It's like, hey, well, I'm better off doing what I'm doing and, you know, yeah, go for it. And and everybody's very encouraging and supportive. But what's funny is when it starts to work out, just like it did in the game of Monopoly that we're playing, when I'm down and they're winning and it looks like they're kind of further ahead in the game and in life than me, but then here I come with my strategy. I've been grinding in the shadows. I know what I'm doing the entire time. My thing starts to pop and work out. Then it's like, wait a second. Do we really want to see this happen for him? And you know what that is? It's insecurity. And the thing is, I would get home and I would tell the stories of like my riders, but I wouldn't talk about the fact that like, hey, I got up at 6.30 this morning. Hey, I was up at 6 a.m. this morning. Hey, I drove for seven hours and I came home and I ate lunch and I got back out there on the road and I drove until 11 p.m. and I drove three more hours. And it's like, I didn't talk about how hard I was working. I just did it. And I didn't, because that's the thing. Like, I don't have to talk about that kind of stuff. Those that don't have it, talk about it constantly and those that have it don't have to say a word so I let my actions speak for myself and 
watching me do my thing and how happy I was and like seeing what time I would get home and and hearing what time I was deflating my air mattress in the mornings and folding my shit up and like watching me eat out of a fucking cooler for most of the trip. All of my lunches out of that cooler. Yeah, I ate chicken all weekend long. But like watching me do that, it holds up a mirror to those that are around me. And people can't help but measure up against that. That's anybody. And so I'm reflecting these things and and they're projecting like, like for instance, my buddy, you know, gets up late, whatever, during the week and then on Saturday morning decides that that's going to be the day that he tries to beat me by waking up earlier than me and I was like 10 minutes behind him, but like he made it a point and it's so transparently obvious. Like he wanted to be like, oh, look, I get up early on a Saturday morning, you know, and like almost like proving something to me. I'm like, oh, that's cute. The difference is you do it one time a week. I do it five times a week. Okay. Like talk to me when you've been doing that for like that's your normal okay anybody can get up on a saturday morning early anybody can do anything one time but get up consistently and do it day in and day out and then don't act like you deserve some applause for doing it it's like dude that's cute you know you could do it one time i do it five six days a week and i really don't talk about it that much because who the fuck cares but since we are talking about it now, that's why I say, I, you know, yeah, I'll be honest about this stuff. But it's like, and so watching me get up early and then how late I was getting home, it, it, it can, it's like a, it, it's a mirror that's held up to these people. And then their insecurities about, well, what am I doing? And where am I at in life? And what am I working towards? Those things are held up to their face and reflected back towards them. And it, they don't like it. And they get petty and they get jealous and, and and then there's negativity and it's like they're not as happy for you and they they take little microaggressions and micro cuts and like try to like throw you off your game a little bit and pick fights and it's just like why are you doing this like I've never been anything but supportive for you and to you and loved you and encouraged you I always pick up your fucking phone calls when you call me no matter what time of the day it is I always make time for you and now that my thing's starting to go well this is how you act this is how you repay me it's like really all right well then that tells me all I need to know about this relationship I'm done watering dead plants it's dead to me. It's dead to me. So, a lot of thoughts on that one. Um, just two more here. Listen to your gut. It never lies. Listen to your gut, man. Like, the I ride with Benny T thing, that's something that I've been thinking about for probably three weeks before this trip. But I just thought, is that too, like... I don't know. Can I, what? I don't know. I, I kind of struggled to get there with it. But then it just seemed like, wait a second, this is a really good idea. And then it was rewarded in the feedback that I got from it. And I just thought to myself, I'm laughing like, you know, you thought about that for a long time, like probably longer than you should have, when you should have just trusted your gut because listen to it. It never lies. And then also, <laughs> final one. I say it all the time, your vibe attracts your tribe. 
it's so true. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And sometimes if people can't appreciate your vibe, then find new people, you know? Find somewhere that you do feel accepted and just move on. And yeah, you don't have to feel sad or bad about it. It's just the reality of things. Like, you're on to different things. So just keep on pushing. That's it, my friends. That is Uber Stories Nashville Part 2. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I absolutely did. I had a blast. I learned a lot about myself throughout this process, and I think I've covered that extensively. I cannot wait to get to Chicago and do the next episode. If you enjoyed this, please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a rating and a review on the Facebook page at Real Talk W Benny T. I am also on Instagram at Real Talk Benny T. You can also follow along at BennyTop18 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And I hope that you'll continue to ride with me. And if you uh, enjoyed this episode, then share it. And hashtag I ride with Benny T. And that's how I really know that you a real ass motherfucker, baby. Hey, all right. I will be back next week. I can't wait to talk to you guys then. Be well, my friends. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's real talk. <laughs>